Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. The street artist David Anasagasti is paying you to pick up the trash around you using his most valuable currency, his art. David's work sells in galleries for thousands of dollars. You've seen his collages of sleepless eyes spray painted all over Miami, watching over his hometown. It's tagged with his street name, A-Hole Sniffs Glue. But for the last three years, he's been giving it away because his art isn't painted on canvas, it's painted on trash. David paints on random discarded items as he bikes around the streets of Miami. He posts a picture of it on his social media and sets off a mad scavenger hunt. People rush to pick up trash that previously went unnoticed. This morning, we went on a ride with him. Our producers Elisa Baena and Helen Acevedo tailed him for an hour around downtown as he turned trash into treasure. If the piece is like really weird and obnoxiously big or, and you know that it's not everybody could get it because it's like some crazy furniture or whatever, like I'll go into it extra harder to make it more of like a somewhat sought after more, you know? When someone finds one of his pieces, David takes an extra step. He mints an NFT of the photo and gives it to the street art collector. It's a way to make our waves of trash noticeable and make art more accessible. He started a kind of movement. He developed a project at Florida International University's Design Incubator. Now cities are writing proclamations praising what he's doing for art and for the environment. We got David out of the heat and brought him into our studio to talk to us about his project and his journey as an artist. David, welcome to the nice uh, studio control, air conditioned controlled studio. Thanks, man. We're not sweating out on the streets again, you and Elisa and and Helen. For real, man. It's really nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, it was a real pleasure to be able to not just have you here, because you're, honestly, your eyes are one of the most iconic street art element anywhere in Miami. Um, So it's it's a special treat to watch you go about doing it and doing it as part of this project. Um, and I know you're seriously into it because you're here in our studio with your red uh, cycling jer- your red cycling jersey, your kit, as they call it, your black bike shorts, and uh, we had to get you a sweater because it gets cold in here. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it, it's a little nippy in here, but it's nice and Miami hot out there. So, you, I mean, you're obviously, I know you're serious. When you're, when you're dressed in the full lycra, I know that you're serious about, your, about the, the movement. So talk to me about a little bit about what led to this idea, you know, this... this this idea of, of taking your art into a place where you're spray painting on trash and kind of turning it into something that people notice. Yeah, um, I mean, I like drawing and painting on anything, really. Um, then it that just came about, like I, I really got heavily into the bike and there really is a lot of trash out there. And so a lot of the things are to just keep myself entertained and to keep getting me back on the bike. So one thing propels the other and vice versa, you know what I'm saying? Like, and right. the trash element of it, it brings the the community along for the ride too. Yeah, It further democratizes the art collecting process where people in that specific area should have access to it. So, I mean, I, I, like all these things come together and it's like the reminders of like, man, should I keep this thing going or should I, you know, stop it? And like all signs are like too many good things have come from it, so. It sounds funny, it's a, there's a, it almost feels like a little imposter syndrome. Like when I post it this time, Will anybody care? Will anybody notice? And every time 
they prove to you that they do by like swarming out and finding the pieces, right? Well, I mean, worst case scenario, if you think about it, the person that's picking it up from the city or the county is going to see it or people driving by it. It's still an eyesore with or without the, the paint on it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a it's like a harmless inter- intervention onto the into, you know, the landscape. You totally. know what I'm saying? Like totally. and like I said, I like painting on different things. Some things are more permanent than others. Um, I just think that we're bringing attention to people getting outside of their houses. Um, me having art that's, you know, sought after in a way like and people spend money on it. It's a way of kind of like being like, all right, well, if you can't afford this, well, this is out there for the taking. It's just as legit. It's just for real. I mean, you just got to get past the fact that it's on trash. I, I mean, honestly, that I think that makes it better. Get, give me an example of some of the things that you painted this morning. Because you did get here this morning and, and, uh, and our producers went out with you and just tailed you as you stopped and you painted for different things. What are some of the things you painted on? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it really happened. You know, it's whatever's out there. I mean... I don't want to give away too much as to where we did it, but I, I always think, and whenever I do these interviews and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I'm pushing a project that's like so weird and like layers, um, I was like, man, it'll be dope if you guys come along or whatever and, and surprised that you guys were down. So, I mean, we ran into a cinder block. We ran into some piece of metal. Piece uh, of metal, we a thought cinder that, block. Right. Yeah, we thought that like activating this specific area, like nothing is altered or like faked. It's all done on the spot. If we don't run into anything, then there's nothing that's painted. You know, some right. days we want to ramp it up. Like, you know, we've had some stories come out and the project has a lot of attention. I could easily turn it up. I wrote to Cutler Ridge yesterday, hit up a bunch of stuff, you know. So it's just different ways of activating it. Today it was cool, like, for y'all to see how it goes down and to, you know, see the elements of, like, the, yeah, it's hot. Yeah, we're on a bike, but we could be inside. We could be hating a Monday. We could be, you know, in so many different <laughs> ways. and. So we just got to look at the the cool stuff, even if it is from a, a trash angle. You yeah, know? no, and and I love it. Like, um, I, and I I should say that if, if folks find them out there, hit us up on Twitter. You can add us at uh, WLRN uh, Sundial S U N D I A L. Um, and and I think it's interesting what you said is sometimes you'll spray paint a real big cumbersome thing because it's like this big cumbersome piece of trash or, or this eyesore on the side of the road, but you turn it into something beautiful desirable you know and you make people notice right like that's the whole thing make people notice well the the noticing too and and also the adding extra to it Mm -hmm. like if it's something that's like a real pain to to get it out of there you kind of want to make it more uh like you want to make it more special you know what i'm saying like like today there was a a bigger cabinet type of thing and i'm like all right like let's fill it up because if i just do one little piece chances are they'll probably just take that little piece but I'm just trying to have fun, dude. Yeah. And um, there's obviously like the regular art that I do. I still draw every day. There's still galleries selling my stuff. Uh, I still mess with digital stuff and all these different things. But this project has really consumed me, and it's mainly because it's rooted in the bicycle. Right. You. So on top of that, like when you when you do a piece of art and somebody finds it, you get in touch with the person who found it, and you you give them an NFT of it, right? You gift them an NFT. Yeah, so in in the NFT world, crypto world, like Twitter and Discord are very popular because uh, Dis- because people can post it on their uh, well, cover photos or whatever. Too. Well, for communication wise, like you know, like there's different social media. Like Instagram is not really too crypto NFT with it. Twitter's more quicker. It's uh mm-hmm. like I don't know the communication is better. So we have a Discord. It's called Biscayne World, and there's it's ran by four moderators that are the homies, and they're the ones that like help keep it like going you know what i'm saying so 
we have a channel where the main drops go and that's where it's called the landfill gallery so if it. you're in the if you're in the discord you get the post probably like three minutes before once i post it there then it goes to twitter then it goes to instagram and so on and the idea is just to you know just throw it out there and people get hyped up but they're like so for instance today uh when they find the pieces from today and they like i told them to record like a pov of the actual hunt so that way there's like that side that's documented if they put that inside the discord along with the piece that they found i mint it instantly you know oh amazing so someone who's searching for it they show their video of them searching for it and they post it on discord discord's uh, is another social media platform it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like reddit meets twitch right like it's yeah like a it's gamers. for like gamers and yeah. things like that where you could do media uh, sharing and things like that but for organizing a project it's very crucial we have different channels that highlight like plants or like animals you know what i'm saying just right. things that we that we vibe with if something's whack or it's not cool uh we throw a lot of things up for voting and it's like all right let's get this out of there it's not cool you know so the idea is to keep pushing that decentralized type of nature where everyone is a part of it and you know democratize everything from the decisions that we make and push this because the trash wasn't initially mine to begin with you know right and i imagine for an artist like you it's so especially a guy that's from miami it's so interesting to be in almost instant communication with the people who value your work well it's uh especially like an nft world and crypto stuff and i mean and in general if you have a a, a connection with your audience you know them better you know mm -hmm. what they're willing to do you know what they like you know what they you and you have an idea you know and it's like and when you associate with them you're seen as one of them you know and i think that's where my decision making is better like they know that I won't send them into something that I wouldn't do myself. And I think that, especially with the whole nature of crypto, where you're trying to be the middleman as well, like that means that there's actual extra work that you have to do. You know what I'm saying? Like if you don't have a middle person selling your stuff in that world, then you have to be that. And I think that when you do work with a gallery and you do have that ethic where you're working like, like a dog, then when you connect with somebody, then you're working way harder together instead of being dead weight, you know? It seems like your your career really has, I mean, you've been doing this what twenty years or so since you started uh, like painting on kind of like just graffiti build like like yeah. not graffiti but street art yeah like on build like on on areas and stuff to where you are now where you're like minting NFTs and you and your stuff is exhibited in galleries like you're you've really had like this real arc of your career bro but you know it's like all this stuff happens from a cell phone you know what i'm saying like it's not like that mm -hmm. there's like this army of like pr people or anything like that when you realize what it takes and you realize what you've been doing you realize what works what doesn't work when certain things work and also like being aware of like like what's going on in the world too you know a lot of times some stuff's going on and people get scared and they don't want to do anything I, I think that when you're just leading from the gut and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing you could vibe and have an opinion on stuff. And so people aren't just really following you for the aesthetics. They're like, oh, I, I vibe with this person because they, they're down with this and they're cool with this. You know what I'm saying? So when you talk about what's going on with the world, you're physically, you're talking specifically about like when you're turning your eye towards discarded things and trash. Well, I mean, I mean, in the world in, in general, like you have to be aware, like, like if I'm going to drop a t-shirt and like some crazy tr catastrophe just happened, you have to be aware that no matter how much you wanted to drop that t-shirt, you should be you should stop you know what i'm saying it's kind of like when you're telling a joke you have to know how read far you can really push it you know what i'm saying like and read i think the room right i got you yeah and in, in art i feel it's the same thing i think that there's like borderline uh bits that 
like touch on troll trollish nature mm -hmm. but also like you know standing up for yourself and things like that and i try to convey all that in my art and that's what you try to do with your art is kind of read the room like what is what is happening in miami what's going on and what do you want to say as part of it right yeah and and doing what i want to do but knowing that what i want to do is also considerate of what i've done and, and other people that are doing stuff you know our guest today is the artist david anasagasti You've seen the Isaac graffitis all over Miami under the name A-Hole Sniffs Glue. His project, Geographies of Trash, has him biking all around Miami, making trash into art. David, I want to talk a little bit about the beginnings of it, right? Like, you're, you're a Hialeah kid. Like, how did art find its way into your life as a kid? Where, where did you start? Where did that really start to make an impression on you? Well, I mean, like, you don't really think of it when it's in the moment type of stuff. But, I mean, like, I grew up single-family home mom working you know me being you know my grandparents house uh you know getting brought up with my brother and stuff so i mean we would watch mtv all the time just like cartoons and, and things like that saturday and, morning cartoon man that's where it was at for kids of our generation right you wake up yeah. saturday early saturday morning you got foghorn leghorn you got you got looney tunes right but it's uh but it was mainly the the mtv-ness the craziness and, and stuff like that but i mean we were just into that stuff i, I remember uh, I mean, you would see graffiti like around, but it wasn't like a calling, you know, like, oh, I want to go do graffiti or anything like that. It was more that I was exposed to just mainstream Beavis and Butthead type of stuff. Um, you know, just things like that. Sesame Street, obviously, like being, you know, the younger stuff. But my brother would always be drawing and I was one year younger than him. So we would just paint together, you know. Your, bro your brother's an artist, too. No, not really. I mean, he, he just loved we, to draw. It was just like me being the younger brother and us being together, like growing up side by side so we were just always doing stupid stuff and having fun what's your brother's name is shout him out felix yeah all right felix so you're you guys had a lot of this time to really bond together because your mom it sounds like she she worked she yeah, yeah worked a lot yeah so i mean it was like we grew up in, in hialeah then we moved to cutler ridge give me some streets hialeah put me put me i lived at. on i mean i lived on both sides of the the horse track Okay. You know what I'm saying I lived in Samari Lakes as well. Mm -hmm. um, so Hylia Gardens as well. But then we moved to Cutler Ridge uh, when right before Andrew, we got the house. It got blown up. Get out of here. And then we moved to Fort Lauderdale for one year. Then we moved back to Cutler Ridge. So I grew up down there. But then it's just, you know, like getting exposed to like friends and different scenarios. And it's just like a big, like fun blur because you're not looking at anything as like, oh, this is a career move. It was never that. You know, like it was more fun. Like, oh, this is what our friends are doing. All right, we're going to punk rock shows. All right, we're in bands. Where would you go to punk rock shows? Uh, I would go to Cheers back in the day, okay. like right there on US One. Uh, we would go to the shows that were up in in Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale which had were a lot of fun. Had a bigger yeah. punk punk scene, I guess. You and all the me. shows would would go there too. Obviously, Churchill's and stuff like that, sure. and and all the other warehouses like down south, like Fantasyland and and things like that. But it was a it was cool because like in Cutler Ridge, a lot of people just stay stuck there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so going out to downtown, like pop life uh, parties at, what was it? At Piccadilly Gardens, all these different like spots that they would be doing. And it was like getting exposed to something different other than just being in Cutler Ridge. And like punk music kind of spoke to you, right? Because your, your street, your tag name comes from, from, the, Ramones, from yeah. the Ramones, a Ramones song. I like the, I mean, I love the whole DIYness of, of the whole uh, movement. I like the, that whole supporting each other stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's kind of cool. Like you could see like a punk from the seventies to a punk from today. And there's not really that much of a, like a, a difference, you know what I'm saying? Like, but you look at hip hop and things like that, which I'm also into. And you could, oh, sorry. You can tell that things are like 
outdated you know what i'm saying like and it's like oh you're like if something is old then it's like oh you're listening to old stuff where like in the punk rock world you're kind of digging in the crates and you're like oh i listen to this and like the more you get cultured the more older that you listen to but yeah i'm thinking of like Sinead o'connor's first album is as punk as anything you've ever heard like that you for know? real i don't know I yeah don't... i you know but it, it's an aesthetic right of somebody who's like that's what really a, a, a piece to you. why do you think that that was important to you like why did that speak to you i think for the rebellion uh mm-hmm. nature of it i think that we know that there's certain things that we have to do we have our civilian duties you know we gotta hmm. you know we gotta handle certain things and what's I, a civilian duty uh paying pay the mortgage bills. right yeah paying your bills uh you know not getting in trouble i don't know like there's just a bunch of different stuff that that we have to do that brings us all together on a level playing field and then there's the ones that you know try to strive for other stuff but just because you're striving for other stuff doesn't mean that your regular stuff that you have to do is like it's not bonus what you're doing you know and right. i think that that's just how i see it you know what was it like creating art like with your brother would you guys was there a point do you remember going out for the first time and and actually expressing your art somewhere putting it up somewhere do you remember oh no it wasn't so when when i was with my brother like it was more like just drawing inside the house and you know being little kids and stuff like that like when i got into the street stuff it was more of friends that were they were cool and they were down and they were like oh this is cool and and i was already into like putting up certain stickers of things or whatever so oh you were doing stickers and stuff like that i mean just anything like i think that it's really a cry for attention if you think about it like i mean when you're putting stuff up you're putting it for people to see it you know for as much as people say like oh i'm only doing it for myself and that's it like i think that's where the building part is but i think that getting stuff out there is to show people like look i'm up look you see my stuff and i think that a lot of times people know how to get people's attention but once they get the attention they don't know what to do with it right you you um you spoke about this in this uh, really great feature that amanda rosa wrote in the the miami herald um about losing your mom young you know yeah. and she was and she worked really hard and it sounds like and but you lost her young yeah Cancer. my mom was cool like she was awesome like she looked out for for all our friends and everything and uh she died what from do you mean cancer. how did she how did she look out for your friends well like for a long time we were all working at Publix, and then as soon as everybody turned 18 she was able to hook us all up with jobs where she was working at really and so it was where was that uh she was working at, at tiger direct you know yeah like the old a, like the pre best buy type of thing yeah right? like doing uh, fraud prevention and customer service and stuff so these were jobs that normally weren't being given to any one of us you know like an office job at 18 so it was really cool like to see my mom like really being outgoing and how people really like looked out for her and and how she looked out for them you know like when she had to let somebody go like she was noticeably bothered by it you know wow. what i'm saying so it was really cool like but yeah losing her like really gave me like the the blunt like you know the reality of life like straight up you know what i'm saying going from like not having to pay bills to doing it but how old were you I think I was like 21 or something like that. It was some weird, weird, uh, crazy times of the of my life. You know what I'm saying? So I think I had gotten in trouble during that time or whatever. So she was like seeing it. We had to take turns taking her to chemo and everything. You and your brother. Yeah. So it was like it was really sucky times. But like it really did like put in like this uh, reality check into me. What did she she think of your art? Had she seen some of it? I mean, the thing is that she, you know, she was like just happy with us. Like as long as we weren't getting in trouble, she was cool. You know, like she was a really cool, easygoing mom. You know, it wasn't, I like, I never had to show my report card to my mom. You know what I'm saying? Like it was one of those things that we knew that as long as we didn't get in trouble, 
that everything was going to be straight, you know? Right. And I was getting like A's. I was like on a roll, AP stuff or whatever. So I knew what I had to do. And then school was just kind of easy. I was like, all right, once I, once I knew that this was just like paperwork or whatever, then I, I got, uh, I don't know, I'm all over the place, but I, I got a regular job at Publix and then I was like, oh wow, my first taste of money. And then that's when I just started taking work experience classes and I was like, forget all this honor stuff, you know? Right, you wanted, you started actually being in, like in the, in the workforce type of thing. Well, yeah, cause I mean, it's like, like you could get out of school by taking this class and you're getting credit. I mean, it's it just made sense to me, you know? And what was art like at that point in your life? So you're, you're working at Publix, you're working at Tiger Direct, are you starting to, are you doing street art? Are you no, painting at that time? I started like really getting into it like after like the end of high school type mm. of stuff. I was already making flyers and stuff like, and you know, doing the little sticker stuff and everything. But when my friends actually got me more into it is when I started taking it more serious and, but still not thinking of an art career out of it, you know? Those first times where you, were you, you said your friends got into it. What, how was that expressed? Was it like in, behind a building? Where did you start no, painting? Because we had Atomic in here, and he would say about going to like you know the 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 old Hot Wheels and painting out behind it or whatever. You know what I mean? So I'm curious, like yeah. how did your how did your art start to how did you start to paint? Well, I mean, these were friends that like that had already been doing this for a while, and like they knew what's up. So mm -hmm. like I kind of had the like this. I was getting walked through it in a way of like you know to not do nothing stupid type of stuff, you know? So, I mean, we would just paint in like alleys or just abandoned places. Like it wasn't anything specific. It was more like, all right, these are my friends. I trust them. They don't want to get in trouble as much as I don't want to get in trouble. All right, let's go, you know? Tell me about your art. What kind of things were you drawing? What a painting, what what did your art look like? Because we know you from the eyes, right? Like all over Miami, is the, there was the repetitive pattern of the eyes, this kind of sleep, this kind of sleepless yeah. look to them. But I mean, how did I, it start? Dude, I like doing like little characters, little monsters, little things that are just in my own world to keep my brain going and just having fun with it. But also knowing that there's a time and a place for everything. Like mm -hmm. sometimes I can't paint a whole entire body. Sometimes I can't paint more than a head. Sometimes I could only paint in between two friends and fit one eyeball. Sometimes I could only do the background. So I think that having like an arsenal of different things to do, or even if I can't paint, just being there to help them fill in their stuff, you know, like it really was the camaraderie thing and that it really was right alongside of like the punk rock uh, DIYness, except there wasn't people with leather jackets and studded belts. It was more of like, it resembled more of like a hip hoppy side of stuff. But then you realize later on that it's all universal. You know, right. it doesn't matter what you listen to. It doesn't matter who you're down with. It's just, if what your friends are doing is cool, then that's all that matters. Everybody else is secondary, you know? There is a point, right, where you go from that to then being recognized as an artist. What, do you remember a point where you painted something, some of those early moments where you paint something and somebody recognized it and it either really moved them or they said, hey, I'll pay you some money for that. Like I would, you know, was there a moment like that that really flipped the switch for you? There, I mean, there was people that showed interest in the stuff, but I mean, usually people that are around you are gonna tell you everything that you wanna hear. Uh, family's gonna always be like, oh, that's cool, but you should do this and that, you know? So. It was, you know, people were putting together art shows and, and things like that mm -hmm. and, and just getting down with it, even if they weren't the greatest opportunities ever, like just being congregated around a place and you see your stuff up, it kind of, it moves you a little bit, you know so what I'm saying? So early on, so who were some of those mentors to you early on that really put your stuff on a wall, 
where you hadn't put it before, you know, you know, on. there was a, there was a show at Purdy lounge, like a long time ago that sure. this dude, uh, guava put together and it was kind of cool. Like I, I know that he sold some of the stuff. I wasn't expecting that, but these are, these are things that get you like motivated to be like, wow, there is, there could possibly be a future in there, but you're also brainwashed with like the corporate world of stuff like no i gotta get a regular job this is all fake oh so you're still kind of going back and forth like this is cool but maybe i don't believe in myself as an artist as purely an artist like i can make a like this could be a career type of thing dude yeah i mean i had to get laid off from my last job and, and i was making more money as an artist but i was still working like a crappy uh office job at a diet food place and it took them laying off like a bunch of people for me to be like Wow, like I could survive on this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it. So you almost you are making more money as an artist. Yeah. But throwing still, parties, doing events and things like that, and still working a nine to five job doing customer service at a diet food place. Because you were still an AP honors kid, thinking like this is a straight life. I, I gotta have some kind of job that pays me a that gives me health insurance and a nine to five type of well, thing. Well, that's it's more not not me because the remember like the. The school stuff was irrelevant. Like I'd never had, like I never got like the, the flowers for that. You know what I'm saying? It was more of like, you have to build your own safety net under you. You know what I'm saying? You have to have a job. Family is there, could be there, but you have to handle your own. You know, and you can't be dead weight. So I was very harsh on myself, and so I think that even when I did get laid laid off from that last job. It took my brother and some friends to be like, oh, that's awesome. Like, you know, oh, now you could just focus on your stuff. And then I even called the gallery and I was like, yo, I just got laid off. And they're like, all right, awesome. Just give me more work. And I was like, man, I'm like expecting somebody to tell me like, no, don't worry. You could go pull out your resume and go get another crappy job. So that's when I knew it was go time. And I only know how to just go like really fast, you know. So that that literally changed your life in a way that you didn't see coming that yeah i mean a bunch of stuff like that but if it wasn't to a point where i had the momentum going like they i don't think that anybody would have lied to me and said like hey just go live on your art you know i don't recommend that that path for people because there's a lot of people that um that they get upset that their art isn't like popping or it's not being sold and and now you're angry at yourself and you're angry at others you know like i think that once you figure out like your money fountain situation of how you're gonna like make a living then you could realize that you could boss up your free time right when did this happen give me a time frame like how long have you been did you get laid off from that job and have just been the artist that we know uh i mean i was having art shows already while i was still in that job you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. uh, even before like before that diet food place i was working customer service at a porno company <laughs> you know i was answering uh i was resetting passwords for people and and so on but I, was, I, don't, I don't even want to know what passwords people were using. Well, <laughs> well, my, and please don't tell us on the air because I, 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 we really like our FCC license. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, I'm just saying my favorite part was not using the auto generator and coming up with my own passwords to send out to people. So, <laughs> but yeah, dude, you know, you make the most out of all these things or whatever. But like, I knew that having those jobs was what allowed me the freedom to do whatever I wanted, even if it was for the weekend and to go party or whatever. Right. You. You, you talk about this freedom to party, and then you've also talked about this before, about being at a point in your life where, before you started riding your bike around and doing exercise, being a little bit at a point where you're not living a totally healthy lifestyle, right? Like Yeah, always. Like, I wasn't, I never really cared, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that's the thing, like, reaching a point where you, you realize that you're caring about everything that you're doing, you're caring about, like, 
the the work that you're putting out there how you're perceived in a way and that you're not caring about the person that's making it and i think it was a mixture of like the pandemic the bike collab all these different things that that led to it and i was like man like i i care about this i gotta be better to myself and i didn't like no rehab no sponsors no nothing i barely even told anybody that i was doing it but i started xing things out started xing out first the beer then the liquor cigarettes and all the other stuff that you know ends people in in bad situations you know so the the idea of when the bike the idea of biking around the physical activity of biking around turns out to be kind of a catalyst for you to like this, really look at really turn some things around in your life and to look at it in a healthier way then big time i mean it's just the i'll tell you this like the bicycle got me a similar high as a xanax and that was like you know the anxiety element of it you know like the bike was just so crucial and once i got that taste of it that i got a couple miles in and you start feeling it you're like man why am i doing all this other stuff you know like so it really was a mixture of a lot of things like pandemic time being locked down people buying artwork through the gallery like like we never missed a beat and seeing all the stuff going on people losing their jobs people going through hard times and realizing that you can't go out and party with people you know and you can't be out there saying like oh i just sold a painting because it's it's kind of like tacky you know what i'm saying it's like mm -hmm. yo the world is crumbling and what am i going to do celebrate that i'm still selling stuff so all these things start, started sinking in and seeing how people are like betting on me people are spending their money they could spend it on anything else you know what i'm saying and they're spending it on mine on my stuff and and why am i not caring you know so it's just things just started clicking and clicking and then i just got obsessed with with getting cleaner you know our guest today is the artist david anasagasti He's a Cuban-American graffiti artist who's known for his signature sleepy eyes that you find all around Miami. David, so really, you are you are at a point in your life where you're creating this art and people are responding to it, but part of you is still like, you're, you're doing well, you're making money, but there's a part of you that like is still kind, kind of being self-destructive, right? You, you admitted that you were, you were drinking, you were using different kinds of drugs and like really not taking care of yourself, but, the, but being on a bike it was like a collaboration that changed everything for you, right? Yeah, it's a. Uh, it really is just like seeing the world in a perspective where, where things are at, and like realizing like how blessed you really are, regardless of all the stuff that you've gone through. And I think it's a matter of like showing respect of appreciation that regardless of the scars that I got, um, that I do care about it, and I made something out of it, and I figure that my existence here could be more impactful than me not being here. You yeah. know, and so it's just a bunch of stuff like running through your minds and things like that. And and also like, you know, being somebody that's like super like high strung, like ADHD type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, so were you always like a, like that high, high strung? Always kid? like I couldn't stay still type of stuff, you know, like but I always knew how to get things done. You know what I'm saying? Like so. So when you're on the other side of this thing, you know, and you start writing, there have to have been moments where those things start to dawn on you. That somebody said something to you or, you know, something happened with your art. Can you think about some of those times that really were like aha moments for you, something moments that really changed your perspective? Man, like honestly, just people recognizing what I was doing and people wanting to sell my art, buy my art, you know, like things like that, like are just because you still have in the back of your mind, like not going through like a traditional schooling system, you know, when it comes to the art stuff. And you start thinking that like, oh, this is too good to be true. This ain't real. But you're like keeping that fundamental of like keeping the fun engraved in whatever you're doing. 
So worst case, if nobody buys anything, like I'm still having fun, you know? And so when things actually start happening, you're like, oh, there's no way this is happening, you know? Who so, made you, who made you believe? Who made you believe? Dude, like not for like not to to make it seem like I'm some cool dude, but like I had to believe it. Like it's kind of mm. like you have to feel it. There's something that people can tell you stuff all the time, but you actually have to put it in motion and be like, you know what? I'm just going to keep on making this this work and I'm not going to start looking for another job. Right. You know what I'm saying? But also knowing that you have that work ethic in you that if things did get bad that you will go back to work and you do know how to survive on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches you know so it's just conditioning my brain and reminding myself that that i can't do it but the support has been crazy like more people have been supportive than not you know so i well like fiu is one right like the florida international university they reached out to you and said something about what they were seeing in your art like let's let's develop that and that seems very like straight laced like yeah, that was, I mean, that was really cool because, I mean, I never went to, like, I don't have no degrees or anything like that, but that was because of the the NFT hype that was going on, and I had gotten in it earlier, and they they were doing a podcast, so they wanted to bring me on there. Uh, a couple people co-signed the people that were doing it, and then eventually, like, we just did it. Uh, Josic, who's a director, shout out to him, uh, he actually, he translated into, like, a Polish magazine, so, I mean, he just believed in my stuff to the point of like, wow, like this dude is doing all this stuff out on his own, out on the street type of stuff. And it's entrepreneurial-ish type of things, you know? So he brought me in and it worked out, you know? Yeah, and so like you are you have a residency, a quote unquote residency at FIU now, right? Because yeah. to develop this idea. So like moments like that, when people who are in the established art community or in the creation, you know, uh, in, of like creating gallery space and stuff are hanging your art and selling your art, it seems like you start to believe. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm already at a point where I'm believing in the stuff. Mm -hmm. I still, and I say I can't believe it in the sense of like, I can't believe that life took me to this direction and also to be at a point where I care to preserve it and to, you know, to lay out this legacy in the right way. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, and so, yeah, the, I mean, people did believe, but I think that the people that didn't believe were just as important as the ones that did. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, interesting. And proving people wrong and, and also being cautious, like you don't want to be that person that becomes a fire under somebody and now they're doing all this stuff because they hate you and you're like, <laughs> you know, so I make sure not to ever be that person for other people because there are some that are that for me, you know. Oh, that's interesting. People that have fueled you because of because they didn't believe in you or the just people that didn't think that I could take things like this far or that were trying to put the brakes on or just random like people that, you know, that. I don't know. It, it's always fun to see uh, people have to eat their words sometimes, you know. Tell me about how you have then now created this this idea of you're biking around. You start biking. You start starting the pain on things. And then the idea where that meets the social media aspect, right? Like where you start painting something and then you post it on social media. And, and like those first couple times when you were like, come get it. Where did that even, where did that idea even come from? Uh I think that social media is a strong tool. I, I think that it's especially like in the independent sector. Mm -hmm. um, it's also a tool that is highly addictive and it's also something that gets people in trouble and people post stupid things all the time. But I think that me being out on the bike ride, clocking out for like two or three hours while I'm out riding, the idea of engaging the audience while I was out there and still feeling like I was productive while I was getting in this this ride that is all about me you know what i'm saying like it really was a cool way of like offsetting it mentally and 
and just letting people know like yo there's trash out here you know and i came by it right and people people are following you your journey as a person like they're not just like into it for the art but they're into you well the that's what i say like the 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 social media mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's my channel it's my programming and the way that i post is not like by the algorithm standards the right way of doing it but i feel that if you win people over people care enough about what you're doing you could feed them like your like your what your whatever you want at but you have to be respectful of what you're doing you know right and i think that a project that's giving stuff away it's automatically going to make people have their notifications on you know so what? if i do need to get something out like i have this this uh, a bunch of eager ears ready to hear it. You know what I'm saying? Right. But you got to respect it. What What did that mean to you? Then a guy who, you know, maybe early on we're like, I'm making this art, but I'm still have this nine to five job because the art is just something that I do. But to have these people then love it and believe in it and follow you and just, just want to be into the story, you know, to have those people respond to it in that way. I think it's, I think it's cool, man. I think that, that I'm an attainable person that they could look at. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I identify as a regular person and I, I curse the day that I can't go wherever I want. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think that it's cool that they see that somebody in their own city has an opinion about stuff and is still out there doing things. And, you know, I'm a regular dude. Do you remember the first time that you posted one of those things and somebody found it and uh, and posted on social media like that it really that it really triggered something in you? Like, wow, people really enjoyed that. Well, when people, before I started leaving it for people to, to take it, they were taking it anyways. <laughs> so like there's a, you know, people would take certain things. So I knew that I couldn't paint certain things because they would get taken, you know? So, but then later on when I just started embracing it for the project, then I was like, all right, well, they're aware of like what my stuff goes for. They're aware that things aren't necessarily going to get any cheaper, but I still make sure to cover every demographic when I drop something. And That's some things are... You know, like the T-shirts, when I drop them, I keep the numbers very small. They're more for uh, a fan. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, does it mean that somebody that like is buying big canvases can't buy a shirt? It just means that you're going to have to get in the mix with all these people, too. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that that's being aware of your people because you identify with your people. I think it's funny that you you I, you painted some things that people grabbed and took. What kind of things were people, did you remember that yeah. people had grabbed and taken and that... That rubbed you the that originally rubbed you the wrong way. Well, I mean, before it would be like if you know tarps and things like that that are painted out there. People would take them down and take them home. That kind of. Well, thing. they would cut them out like Swiss cheese. You know what I'm saying? So oh. it'll be like random eyeballs and things. And so they'll cut them. But I mean, it is what it is. Like also like walls that were getting demolished and people save them, or like Churchill's when it got knocked down. People running in there and just taking all the walls that were there. So. And so at, at some point you're like, all right, if people are intru- into grabbing some stuff, I'm going to look for specific things to, well, it was, to, to paint on then. It, in a way, it was kind of like a little trollish nature too, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, all right, I was You here. trolling them, right? In a, in a way, yeah, because yeah, it's, uh, all right, do you really want this? It's on trash, all right? So like, you know, once the response is there, Interesting. I mean, what's real is real, you know? And what's the difference between a piece of paper versus a canvas or canvas versus wood? or wood versus an old microwave that was thrown away. You know, like if you're willing to look past it and you realize that it's part of some part of something bigger, I think that's how people are able to 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 vibe on it, you know, and right. and to deem it worth getting dropping whatever they're doing and to go chase it, you know. Right. And that's interesting that you really went to like 
you're like, here's a real piece of trash that I'm going to paint on. And like, can you appreciate the art? Yeah. And can you appreciate the creation of it and create the art? So what kind of things do you look for? Give me an example of like just some stuff recently that you did or so, even the stuff that we did today. I mean, so today is a cinder block. Uh, there was like a piece of tire. Um, not easy things to grab like a, <laughs> no, they're not, they're not that easy. I stay away from like the smaller things, unless it's one of those things that I'm randomly in another place. And I'm like, you know what, let me just activate it. And I'll draw like on a bottle or something like that. But it's mainly just having fun and try to curate the actual body of work mentally. Whereas I see it, if I see a piece of cardboard, yeah, it does deserve to get picked up and thrown away, but it's not as enticing as a, a rusty barbecue. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I also know that some rides, like me getting out there on the ride is the most important thing. If there's nothing good, I'm not painting anything. You oh, know, it's cool. to, Nobody to keep, wins an award if, there's, if it's not award Well, it's worthy. to keep the integrity of, of the project too. And also like, even if I deem something like worth painting, it doesn't mean that that person that finds it is gonna be into crypto and willing to get the NFT. So until it makes it to the NFT collection, it's really not ever existing. I mean, it's still real and it's still a piece of trash, but it's not getting the actual digital asset that has all the metadata and when it was painted, what it was painted with. And also that's what I'm highlighting, right. is that this particular piece of trash that was forgotten, that we have no idea who the person that littered it out there, somehow through the chain of events happened enough that somebody cares about it enough to the point where they claimed it. I'm here spending my own money to turn it into an NFT to give it to them for the sake of art, you know? Right. And I think that's the like the thing. It's like, I'm not here to capitalize on the trash other than make the trash special and make something that's attainable to everyone. Right. It's interesting how different people see different things in what you're doing. Like the different um, municipalities, Miami-Dade County and, and uh, another city also gave you like a proclamation because yeah. these things you're also, as a side note, you're drawing attention to like, look at all this discarded trash that is just around that we could do better, right? Sure. And, and that's become a side thing of it, right? Yeah, so like Daniela Jean from North Miami Beach, she was the first one that gave us a proclamation. And so, I mean, all that stuff, it looks good. You know what I'm saying? Like sure. FIU brings me on, I'm there doing the stuff, I'm making a, a project out of trash. Now it's getting recognized. These are all things that show that you brought somebody in from the street who didn't have a degree and you bet on them. You let them bring ideas to the incubator and now they created something that's like getting all this this hype it's getting people on on the bikes getting people to pick up trash getting people uh, onboarded to about nfts and crypto and things like that so i think that the the proclamations are dope the proclamations aren't going to amplify the work they're not going to get me on the bike anymore mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like and an award's an award you know what I'm saying? It's what you do with it. So I feel that the more uh, that we end up getting, they all end up going to FIU Radcliffe. So that way, when people go there, they see the stuff that I've been doing and they see, wow, this project that was conceived out of trash is getting recognized. So I feel that it should be a race of what areas of the city are going to recognize it first because we're painting their trash whether they like it or not, you know? Right. It's so funny. This is like, it's like you're, you're getting your PhD in art. You know, it's like you're getting your master's in fine art or whatever by actually being out and doing it in the out in the world, you know, and creating this this art project. Yeah, when they gave us the the proclamation, like the first one that they gave us, we turned it into an NFT and we 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 gave it out. You know what I'm saying? It's like I don't want to hold on to it. Like I want to get the recognition, but I want people to feel the same recognition. Unless the people are involved, I really didn't do my job. You feel me? Right. I mean, I th just think that the idea that you're giving away the art is like is art for the sake of art is the creation is the art itself right like yeah and and it's miami trash that's that miamians are having the first dibs on it 
we have these people like we encourage them to do whatever they want with it they could sell it trade it do whatever they want but the cool thing is when miami trash is getting exported out of miami you know what i'm saying like and and i think that the possibilities are endless you know right but. i'm curious about like y your family you mentioned that your your brother was always you know the guy that you you know you saw p drawing as a kid and your grandparents pay played a, such a big role in your life you know with your mom working a lot yeah. i'm wondering how they've received this like this david the david that you know dude they're all gone man <laughs> like they yeah. all yeah my mom passed away my dad passed away two years ago i'm sorry um but that's life though you feel yeah. me like i think that we could love our family we can't pick our family and we can't pick what happens you know what i'm saying every yeah. day is a toss-up of whether we're gonna live whether we're not gonna live what's gonna happen to people close to us the older we get more people around us are going through stuff so you know it sucks and those are things that I'll never know. You know what I'm saying? I'll never know like how my family got to see like my my art popping off, you know what I'm saying? And what I did with it. But I feel that that I'm doing the best that I can with this time that's here. And I think that hopefully family that, that is left, you know, cause I have cousins and things like that who are really proud of what I'm doing. But at the same time, I gotta do it for myself, you know? Right. I, I, I'm always curious about that because, you know, there's so much of like you create something and there's these people along the way that inspire you in ways that maybe you don't even re recognize or realize until later. And I was wondering if there were any moments like that where it really, you know, it helped kind of flip something, you know, flip a switch in you that that you had done something that had was part of uh, something that you're proud of, you know, ultimately. You know, the, the friends that I've always had, like I've always held highly and um whether they were perfect or imperfect or whatever vices, whatever it was. And, and for as much as they say, like, you know, be careful who you surround yourself with, like it is true, but you also have to embrace these people. These are people that are, have like imperfections, but yet we're still fighting the same, the same fight, you know, and some people are more creative than others and more people have like more energy. But I think that the, the friend network has always been there for me. Right. The, you know, the, the, those friends that become family. Yeah, because, I mean, regular family, like, you know, they see you getting in trouble or whatever, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's the, the black sheep of the family type of thing, you know what I'm saying? So it is what it is, dude. Do, uh. do you think that, like, the success that you've had, certainly, and even in your personal life, like where you start biking and you start feeling better and you start changing some of the, you know, the vices in your life for for pushing pushing forward your art, do you feel like it's been, that it's inspired other people around you? Yeah, I mean, for as much as I want to tell people, stop drinking, dude, stop doing drugs and all these different things, I know that there's nobody that could have told me anything when I didn't want to hear it. Right. So if people see that I'm out there on the bike and they see what it's done for me, I could confidently tell people, try a bicycle out, you know? So via the bike, via me going out there, people seeing what I'm up to, getting them on bicycles, it's it's really been a, a fulfilling thing. You know what I'm saying? A show don't tell, right? Yeah, because I mean, dude, like, there's a reason why rehabs are expensive. It's because people are going in there because they don't they don't want to go. You know what I'm saying? Or they need a lot of help. So I think that if you could kind of get a little head start on the bike, and you know, I could show you, like, look, I ain't perfect, but this bike did wonders for me. Then I'm happy pushing that. You know, David, it's been such a pleasure getting to talk with you uh, this past hour. Thank you for coming in and telling us your story and and pushing forward this project for sure. Our guest today was the artist David Anasagasti. You've seen the Izzy graffitis all over Miami under the name A-Hole Sniffs Glue. His project, Geographies of Trash, has him biking around Miami, making trash into art.
And that's Sundown for Monday, July 31st. Leslie Obay Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Helen Acevedo helped produce the show. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Mertz is WLRN's VP of Radio. Engineering our board today is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Balo at GoBalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up tomorrow on the program, a Florida journalist put together an illustrated book of all the weird and wonderful things you can find in Florida. It took her nearly 600 pages. Gabrielle Calise joins us. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. Public Media.